Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. International News Review. Good morning and welcome, Sir Steve. How are you doing? I am doing great. Great to be here and great to have Dan the Man in the studio. Yeah, it is nice, uh, isn't it? We miss that guy. The, 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 it feels oh. a bit of a Beatles reunion <laughs> yeah, of sorts. Dan here, just come, just, just come over and just... Oh, yeah. Get in the camera. For Hello. Time. There we go. Hey, everybody. Everyone's already been saying hi to you. Okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah, we have Ringo back. <laughs> Off you go, Ringo. <laughs> All right, Steve. Hey, let's start a big... So much is happening in the world. Let's get right to it and... Uh, first off, we're going to go to the U.K., but not maybe the expected story about the Queen's uh, on, uh, passing, but the new prime minister, Liz Truss. What is going on with her in terms of what will this mean for the business community? What will it mean for you know, the trade community? What, what does that look like from your perspective? Well, I would say, first, of course, my deepest condolences to Neil. Uh, and I see he's wearing black today in his period of mourning. So uh, <laughs> I'm surviving. <laughs> when I think royalist, I think Neil. But anyway, yes, go ahead. And, and, and that's the thing is while, while the whole world is rightfully focused, of course, on, on, on the Queen and King Charles and the new Prince of Wales, um, the business community is, of course, watching what is going to happen with the new prime minister, mm. uh, Liz Truss. What does this mean um, for business? And um, it is clear that, you know, we're likely going to have a continuation of the, of the political turmoil uh, and economic uncertainty uh, that has plagued Britain since Brexit. And it has only, of course, gotten worse with the, the COVID and, and, and inflation and, of course, the challenges with the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the sanctions. But the real, I think, the, the, the issue that uh, the United States in particular is, is watching is what is Prime Minister Trust going to do when it comes to the border right, with Ireland? Um, mm. And, you know, the Good Friday Accords, which brought peace uh, to Ireland, is so important politically to the United States. And, and the Irish are such an important constituency of politicians, especially Democrats, especially Joe Biden. And if there's any challenge to, to, to that border as a result of Brexit, that is going to be challenges for the U.S.-U.K. relationship, which really needs to remain strong right yeah. now. Wow. I was wondering, how can Steve this week bring politics back to the Democrats in the U.S. And somehow you did it. But, but you are right. Managed to you, do it. That was a That was a Kevin Bacon, seven degrees of separation. No, but you are right. One of the first phone calls that uh, Prime Minister Truss had was with President Biden. And obviously, Democrats, very personal issue to their heart. Your old fellow, of course, Bill Clinton, was a was a key component of the original Good Friday Agreement. And people do forget, particularly in this part of the world, what a fragile peace agreement it is. And it has frayed since Brexit. This nonsense idea of having a hard border down the Irish Sea is proving very difficult to manage, of course. Just for those listening who are not aware, you know, Ireland, Southern Ireland, is now is still part of the European Union. And Northern Ireland, which is part of the United Kingdom, isn't. So you have all these border issues and trade issues that she has to deal with. Steve is absolutely right about that. But then there's other aspects, Steve. The interesting thing about, or the curious thing about the Queen's passing is that Liz Truss now has time. There will be this period. But she doesn't, she might want time, but she doesn't need time. Mm. They were about to mm. unleash a £150 billion energy freeze to freeze energy bills. They're facing a massive cost of living crisis. 
Uh, inflation is rampant. I think they've got the worst living standards, the biggest fall in living standards since 1956 in the UK and record demand for the services of food banks. None of this speaks well of Britain. So how does that uncertainty, and there will be uncertainty, going forward? Because she doesn't even have much of a majority within her own party, let alone the country. Where does that stand from a stability standpoint? There was a lot there to unpack, Steve. Well, and, well, and, I do and, my work. <laughs> and, and throw onto that, you know, where, where you see, right, where, where, you know, Prime Minister Trust, I think her role model, of course, is Prime Minister Thatcher, who took a very, very strong line on, on labor policies. And you have how many unions and workers lining up to go on strike yep. right now? Um, rail workers, barristers, dockhands, bus drivers, Correct. garbage collectors, Amazon employees. Even journalists are, 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 are talking That's right. about going on strike. They're not going to pause for any length of time because the queen has passed. I mean, obviously, they're not going to go on strike during the period of mourning. But this, is, this isn't going to change the economics. It's not going to change the political dynamic, um, the, the, the queen's passing. Um, and so mm. this is going to be no different. I don't see this having any impact on, on the economics and the politics that's happening in the U.K., which has implications for the EU. It has implications for the United States. And then, of course, it has implications... You know, we, it, she's expected to be just as strong on on Ukraine um, mm. a, a, in, in her support for it as, as her predecessor was. Um, but as you mentioned, what happens when all of a sudden the gas prices go way up and people start to get you know cold in the winter um, and their heating bills they they can't pay yep. or they have to ration. Yeah. So it is no. I I don't think the, the challenges she faced going in have not changed um, because of of the of the of the, the queen's passing. And just yeah. to add briefly to that, a point that's relevant to Singapore. This is the peril of populism politics. That, frankly speaking, was inherited from America in the UK. We, they're almost presidential. No, you're bringing style. it back to American <laughs> yeah, politics. Yeah, yeah. Good for but you. This, this populist <laughs> approach to politics that is arguably peaked post Clinton in the US and has clearly spilled over into the UK. Liz Truss has a fascinating paradox that is almost identical to Joe Biden, which is the biggest fear she faces is her predecessor. Mm. He's waiting in the wings like a certain former president in the US. His uh, resignation speech was arguably the least gracious you will ever hear from a... He, he, he hailed all his achievements, all of which can be questioned, standing mm. firm on Ukraine. Well, OK, fine. Getting Brexit done. It hasn't been done yet. Mm. And all of the economic problems I've outlined. But he made a, a very obvious, unsubtle reference to a former Roman uh, dictator, a Roman dictator who returned to power to save the day. Who, Caligula or somebody? I can't remember the name. It's out there. But, he, he, you know, he made a very It wasn't one of the reference. good ones, I guess, yeah, right? A guy who literally rose from the ashes and returned to power to save the day. Um, so this is yeah. a real fear here. Not a fear, but a concern, Steve, that she'll come in. He knows this. She doesn't have a clear majority or a dubious majority, a bit like Biden. Massive economic challenges ahead. Could you see a return? Well, it, 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 it's, so, it's such a, a different scenario because you can certainly see a return of, of, of Trump in the United States because it's two different parties, mm. right? And so, but here you have the same party. And here is the party completely turned um, on, on Boris Johnson. The problems Truss inherits, look, she helped create those, those, those problems. She was against Brexit. Then she was for Brexit. Now she's for a, you know, a hard Brexit. But how are you going to do that when you have businesses who have got their 
investment in the UK, their supply chains in the UK, but they serve the EU. How is this going to work? Brexit was never going to be the panacea that the, the, the pro-Brexiters made it out to be. So I don't know if all of this fails. It's going to fail because they're Johnson's policies. I don't see how he could come back within his own party. So I don't think it's analogous, but um, certainly he is going to be you know, lurking in the shadows. Is there uh, – look, uh, this is a curveball and it's, it's from way out, but is there any – implication or any possible implication of a King Charles interacting with the government in a different way that no. might impact policy. No, it's constitutional. That, he, he can't. So it, that, it's that completely, firewall is there fact, no matter what, there, right? there's been interviews circulating. He did his famous letters to prime ministers and governments I'd say allegedly, but it's pretty common knowledge, used to drive them mad because he would constantly write these letters to politicians. What about the environment? What We need to cull badgers mm. and things like this. Mm. You know, he was, a, he was an early pioneer about environmental issues to give credit to the new king. Mm. And he's, he said publicly, no, he can't do that anymore. As prince, it was pushing oh, boundaries. But right. as, a, as a king, no, he cannot, he cannot express an opinion. He cannot take sides. He, uh, politically, ironically, even though he's a symbolic head, he has, he's invisible. He cannot put his head above the fray politically okay. in any way. It's constitutional. Like my knowledge from, from of, 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 of the monarchy comes from two sources, Neil and the crown. Yeah. Right? And so if you watch the crown and you listen to Neil, they are on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> she is oh, well, glad, not going to get involved. Glad you're getting so. great sources there, at least yeah. one of them. Yeah. I'll let you, you decide you which one. You can decide which one. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's move on. Um, she, President Xi and, and uh, President Putin say they are going to meet next week, next Thursday and Friday, in Uzbekistan, uh, a gathering of Asian leaders. Now, it's not officially been confirmed yet by Chinese leaders, uh, Chinese uh, government, but uh, apparently it will be, uh, it will happen. What are we expecting to come out of that meeting? Well, I mean, certainly this is a big deal. It has been a thousand days since, since President Xi left China. Um, and he's going, I believe it's Kazakhstan where, where he's going. Um, and he's going to meet with, with, with President Putin. Um, so how much has the world changed? The last time President Xi left China, it was to meet, it was to go to Myanmar. And he went, he met with, uh, Aung and we San, know how that turned out. Well, he met with Aung San Suu Kyi, <laughs> right? How much has the world changed yeah. since he left? Um, I think that, that clearly this is a, an incredibly important meeting for, for Putin. I mean, because Putin's you know, he needs China support, must have China support uh, economically, politically, to some degree militarily. Um, mm. But that's the question because of the, his invasion and ongoing war crimes that are being committed in Ukraine. So it's extraordinarily important to Putin. Putin wants the message out that the West is failing. The future is Asia. The future is and, – and now you see, uh, you know, that the axis of China, Russia, and Iran, um, and they want to make that stronger um, because the NATO and, and, and support in Asia, Japan, Australia, Singapore has become so much more apparent on the other side because of, mm -hmm. of Russia's invasion. So an incredibly important meeting um, for Putin. I think what's interesting, though, is that she could have had his first meeting in Moscow. 
If he had done that, if he had gone to Moscow for a bilateral summit mm. with Putin, that would have sent a much stronger message of Chinese support because this is at a international conference. So that, you're saying he's he's tempering that uh, he from, is. Interna- from the international look uh, uh, optics perspective because it is at the the you know the, the Shanghai uh, Cooperation Organization, which has been set up as a counterbalance to to NATO in the West. Um, so he's got cover in a certain way. Absolutely. Mm. So yeah. this is this. Sends a much different signal, and I think it is. If you if you're watching for what China's support for Russia is, this going to change because of the meeting? Mm. We're certainly all going to watch it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to become more supportive of yeah. Russia. Yeah, I mean, Beijing, as it says, has not officially endorsed the invasion at any point. It, it's very gray, as Glenn says, almost hedging your bets. How concerned should Singapore, but the region generally, be about this development? Or is it expected? Well, I mean, certainly it's expected. You're certainly were ex- – of course she was going to travel again. Of course he is going to uh, be focused. And in, in Kazakhstan, I mean, he went there in 2013 to launch the Belt and Road Initiative. So that's – it's a very important part of the world for China. Mm-hmm. Um, he also wants to set up the – you know, where, where, where Biden's framing is democracy versus autocracy, this is the, 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 the China framing um, is that um, there aren't – the Western model, right, of, of, of democracy is only one model of democracy. There are other models that you can have. And There's so, the dictator model. <laughs> There's the uh, invade, uh, you know, sovereign nations model. There's yeah. – Don't politicize. <laughs> but so that – so he's sending out – there's alternatives to, 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 to the Western alliances yeah. and this is um, one of those. So it is, it is important for him to be there. Look, it's also important for him to be there because, look, Kazakhstan borders – Xinjiang, um, you know, and where we, right, where the world has learned about what has been happening in Xinjiang is because the Uyghurs have escaped into Kazakhstan. That is where a lot of the interviews uh, have taken place. That's where a lot of the information came out. Now, it's gotten a lot more quiet um, that uh, from from what you read because of Chinese pressure on, on the Kazakh government to stop that from happening. But it's it's staying quiet, and so that's yeah. something that is in China's interest, especially when you had the UN report on yeah. on the on on the crimes against humanity that just came out. Interesting, fascinating. fascinating. All right, fascinating. Our, our last topic this morning is a, a new poll that has come out, surveyed by the Pew Research Trust, uh, saying that uh, by and large, across 19 countries, more people see the U.S. than China favorably. But they, at the same time, they're saying that Chinese influence is growing. So there's there's a lot to unpack in this huge survey, but the, the, it was one of the top line. Yeah, you know, and, and what I've started doing this week, I've, I'm I'm back on the road doing my 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 speaking tour on the U.S. midterms, right? And and so I was in KL for an event this week. I did one in in Singapore this week. And one of the things that is really important to Southeast Asia is what should Southeast Asia be watching for the midterm elections coming up in the U.S. What happens if the Republicans take the House and or the Senate? What is that going to mean for U.S. Policy, congressional and an executive and foreign policy for this part of the world, especially when it comes to U.S. China. And one of the messages I deliver, and the and the Pew poll really underscores this, is that the people in Singapore and Malaysia have to understand that almost the rest of the world looks at China unfavorably. 
They look at the U.S. favorably, and they look at China unfavorably. And the only even places like Africa, well, and it's getting investment and things like no, that. No, no, that not not Africa, but right of of the nineteen countries that mm. that that uh, were polled in Pew that were surveyed: North America, Europe, and Asia. The right? key what key markets? Key the key nineteen markets yeah. that of those nineteen countries, the only two that viewed China more favorably than the U.S. were Singapore and Malaysia. Every of the other 17 countries viewed the U.S. more favorably than China, and every one of those other 17 countries had a negative view, a net negative view towards China. And so what I have to explain to, to, to the audiences here in Singapore and Malaysia, you need to understand the rest of the world looks at China much differently than you do. And when we were on the door knock as the AmCham's of Asia Pacific in Washington, D.C., what I needed, what we would Talking tell to various parties, government political. officials, yeah. yeah, we would say, you need to understand that Singapore and Malaysia have a very favorable view of China and an unfavorable view of the U.S. And so the interesting question, now politically, you have to take this into account when you make your decision making. And the other interesting question, though, is why? Why is it that Singapore and Malaysia are outliers in their favorable no. view of China compared to the other 17 countries that don't have that view? Well, we kind of know why, right? It's not, it's not that big a leap to work out why. I mean, we're a majority Chinese country here. Many of our forebears and forefathers go back to that country. If you speak to older Singaporeans in this country, many of my friends still have a relatively favorable view of the country because of their own literal cultural linguistic ties to that country. Malaysia, of course, has a, has a large Chinese component to it as well. So it's, that part of it is not so surprising. I think what's more surprising, perhaps, is it is changing, right, amongst younger people. But, well, if I can just throw in one thing, I mean, the U.S. is the largest single um, FDI investor in Singapore, the largest single trading partner with Singapore. I mean, when you look at the business ties cultural ties. I, I, what does that I, mean to I the average family in an HDB flat? Well, if they're not getting the message how important that is, then, then that's maybe a, a communication error, right? Mm -hmm. For oh, sure. I, well, cultural affinity certainly explains part of it. Yeah. Um, but when you also, w w in this poll, one of the questions was, do you have more confidence in Biden um, or Xi? Mm. And in, in every of the 17 countries, right, all of them were at mostly in the teens in terms of their confidence in Xi, and they were in the, mm. you know, in the, in the 50s, 60s, uh, 70s, Poland, 82 percent, right, had more confidence in Biden than Xi. The only countries that had more confidence in Xi than Biden were Malaysia at 62 percent and Singapore at 69 percent. That doesn't ex – cultural affinity doesn't explain that. You can have, you can have affinity for China and, and, and think the leadership is, is, is not, mm. um, mm. and, 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 and that you don't have confidence in the leadership. Um, so it, I, it, it's more than that. And so the question is why. I mean one of the theories that my you – know, my, my friends tell me here, um, is that look at, for example, the distrust that people had here, the older generation had here with the vaccine, the COVID vaccines, um, and, and they insisted on Sinovac. Whereas if you saw any study anywhere, it's that Sinovac doesn't work. Um, and it certainly doesn't work as well as, as you know, as, 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 as Pfizer um, and Moderna and the others and the MNRA vaccines, yet they supported Sinovac. They would only take Sinovac. Right. Why would 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 that be? And and one of the theories is because you get a lot of the Chinese PRC media here, which is very different than than the media you get hmm. 
in 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 the West, and certainly that you get at SPH or the you know and the Straits Times in the newspaper or Channel News Asia. It's very different media, um, and they're listening to that Chinese media. So I don't think it's just cultural affinity, um, but it really has serious implications for the foreign policy that the Singapore government wants to have, the Malaysian government wants to have, and that the U.S. government wants to have. And of course, we've seen the Singapore government, you know, pretty well balance that relationship between Washington and Beijing over the decades. You know, it is a fine, it's a tightrope walk, but, uh, you know, starting with Lee Kuan Yew and and now Lee Sien Lung, they've, they've been managing that, I would say, from my outside perspective, quite well. They, but let me again, it's not just a U.S. Look at the, the pushback on sanctions um, that you've heard in the press uh, from, from local Singaporeans against, you know, the Russian sanctions, where Singapore put sanctions on Russia because of their invasion of, of mm. Ukraine. I mean, so it, it is a very important driver of, of popular opinion that the Singapore government is doing a good job but continues to need, need to do a good job of, to balance. And where I bring this back to what's going to happen going forward. So if the Republicans get the House or Senate. It now means that the Democrats cannot dictate what happens legislatively in the Congress. And so it's going to be much more difficult to pass anything like on climate change, like on, on taxes, like on, um, you know, everything that goes into those, those Democratic-only bills that, that passed under the Inflation Reduction Act. So what happens? It means the only thing that could pass is where the Republicans and the Democrats totally agree. Where do they totally agree? China. So you are going to see a lot more, I think, legislation, even more so in a split government than a unified government, um, against China on outbound investment restrictions, on increasing sanctions like you have now um, for products coming out of uh, Xinjiang, um, for for more restrictions when it comes to technology. And that is going to impact businesses all over Asia because if you're doing business in the U.S. and you're manufacturing um, in China, uh, it doesn't matter that you're a Singapore headquartered business, you now have to comply with those new U.S. laws. And that is going to be in conflict to Chinese laws. So what do you do as a business when you are now caught between the two? And that's why I think watching these midterm elections is so important for the people of Singapore and Malaysia and everywhere else yeah. that, you know, that, that can, I've Can I going. just follow up with one quick question? And that is in, in my news this morning at the top of the hour, um, it was the announcement of this two-day summit in Los Angeles that's just finished. Uh, the Biden administration pulled together 14 countries talking about the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, IPEF, right, which is a new trade or oversight something, something. We're not sure what it is. And all of the ministers there agreed that we've got to double down on supply chain resilience or whatever. Now, just briefly, in a couple of minutes, based on what you've seen in the media today already, is that conference, has that conference meant anything? Is it, is it going to be valuable to the future of supply chain resilience? Well, wait, here's the starting point. The U.S. has been out of the game for the last five, six years when it comes to trade and economic integration in in Asia Pacific. Uh, we, we, the United States, pulled out of the, the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, so we're not in that trade agreement. China is in the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership Agreement along with all of, of, of ASEAN in, in Japan, Korea, Australia, New Zealand. So the U.S. is out of the game. The, the Biden administration has said we are not going to do any trade agreements because that is too difficult politically 
um, to get through the Congress. So we need to come up with an alternative framework. This alternative framework, which is not a trade agreement, is the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. There are 14 countries that are part of this. It is split into four pillars. One pillar is on trade um, and, and a focus within that on digital trade, which is so important to the 21st century. Another focus, as you mentioned, is on supply chain and supply chain resilience. Part of that is what are you going to do on supply chain if there's another pandemic? A huge issue facing the businesses here. It's not just, of course, it's the U.S.-China trade tensions, but maybe even more so it's COVID zero and what China is mm. doing in COVID zero and how that is shutting down factories and how that is shutting down supply chains. So you've got to make your supply chain more resilient. The way you can do that in part is getting, is diversifying it, taking some of that manufacturing out of China. Where is it going to go? How, uh, how are you going to do this? So it can be a very good mm. uh, discussion for these 14 countries to come together to talk about how do we make our supply chains more resilient. Getting back to the China question, though, this can't be seen as a China containment policy, because if it is, Singapore and Malaysia are going to have a very difficult time doing so vis-a-vis yeah. -vis their own people and as well as vis-a-vis -vis what is China, how is China going to react to that? And everybody agrees, of course, in the Pew survey, everybody agrees China is growing more and more important. Mm. Just yeah. a final point, because I was reading this week. We talk about the midterm elections. You'll be talking about nothing but the midterm elections going forward. Is it now a done deal? Not a done deal, but the smart money was on a Republicans taking back at least one of the houses. But I'm now reading news that the economy is slightly bouncing back. Fuel prices have dropped dramatically in the US. And as Glenn always likes to say on this show, people do tend to vote with their pockets. So the fuel prices, I forgot what the price is per barrel, but it's dropped a hell of a lot compared to other countries. That's point one. Point two, Mar-a-Lago seems to be cutting through to certain aspects of your more patriotic side of the Republicans. So President Biden is arguably at the best position he's been since he took over. Would that be fair? You're missing point three, which is, I think, even more important than point one and point two. And that is the Supreme Court taking away a woman's constitutional yes. right yes. To, the abortion. Yes. to abortion. Yes. And women in particular, I think a lot of people, but women in particular, they are angry. Yes. They are extraordinarily angry. And that anger is turning into them going out to vote. Yep. You have had yep. record numbers of women registering to vote. And they are not they, because what's happened because of the Supreme Court decision is now states can outlaw abortion full stop. Yep. Rape incest, health of the mother, doesn't matter. And some states are doing this. And women are like, we have got to vote. And so it's the women who are registering to vote in record numbers are going to potentially, because look, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 new voters going to the, uh, the Democratic candidate will swing a Senate election. It mm. can swing multiple House elections. So, Neil, your first two points are correct. Um, the Republicans want to make this about Biden, the economy, that the Democrats shouldn't have all control. The Mar-a-Lago, uh, you know, search, the finding that president, the former president has nuclear secrets um, that should never be have taken out of a secure facility and they're just laying around a hotel that anybody can have access to. That is part of it because now the election is about Trump and that is not what the Republicans want it to be. Wow. But more importantly, I think it is that women are coming out in record numbers. And so – it would have been shocking before the Supreme Court decision to say the Democrats could hold the House and the Senate. Now I would go from shocking to 
mildly surprising if the Democrats mm. hold both the House and the Senate. Awesome. Steve, we got to leave it there. But thank you, as always. Good stuff. Uh, we will see you in three weeks' time. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but Neil and I will be off the next two weeks. Uh, but we'll see you soon. And shout out to my new stu- Steely Dan shirt. I love the it's Steely It's a very Dan nice shirt. I, I, I saw the top half black. I thought you were paying tribute <laughs> to the late monarch. Actually, but now I see you're just paying tribute to Steely Dan. <laughs> Steely Dan Asia was one of the first albums I bought when I was a kid. Showing, um, showing their age, guys. There showing their age. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. Right. Gotta go. Bye-bye. International News Review. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.